How am I supposed to eat my pound cake? (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Recotopia, a happy home for recommended movies, shows, and music from two people you can definitely trust. Trustability varies by region, no guarantee is implied. Malcolm, Jib, and Diggy don't play sports, and they aren't in a gang. They're always getting ridiculed by their peers because they're into white shit. Like skateboards, manga comics, Donald Glover, and for listening to white shit like trash talk, TV on the radio, and for doing white shit like getting good grades and applying to college. Hello, hello. How's everybody doing? Recotopia, episode 28. 28. I'm Chris Atkinson. I'm Jeremy Scott. And... Yeah, I, I I see some Sin City love in the comments. It's a little bit too much for me, uh, personally. Um, just a little bit too much. Just a little bit too much. Sin yep. City. You know, yep. We can all agree that that movie's trash and move on, right? We don't have to pretend. Nope. We don't have to pretend to like that movie, right? Everybody who says they like that movie is just pretending to like it for, for troll yes. purposes, I think. Yes. You know, I was reading, this is neither here nor there, but I was reading two days ago about... Um, a subreddit dedicated to the Arkham Batman games Mm -hmm. that has created this joke they've been doing for weeks and weeks (laughs) uh, that there's an extra game called uh, Arkham World that exists that they played and it's they've been playing it for a year and the, the entire subreddit is in on this joke and they just won't stop and I kind of love it i kind of love it that's amazing i may need to i may need to see the origins of this and start reading from the top if i can <laughs> it may be uh, hard to find the origins but might I'll send be, you a might be but I, I i love that idea like you've created your own like troll world almost <laughs> like it's kind of insane yeah, it's awesome. Um, all right. Well, uh, the, today's big recommend is going to be dope. And dope. Uh, uh, but uh, hey, what's the uh, what are the small recommends? What do you got? What do you got for me today? It's no big deal. It's so small and light. It's small. It's tiny. It's petite. It's wee. Smickety small. Smickety small. All right. So I'm going to start out with uh, the princess. It's an HBO documentary that came out, I believe, June thirtieth. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> This is, without question, one of the best documentaries I have ever seen. Wow. Um, and it made me angry. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in the 80s. Um, Princess Di, I knew she was a celebrity. I knew that the British media speculated on the royal family a lot. Um, I knew the broad strokes of you know, speculation of an affair, then they separated. I did not know. I was too young to know exactly how bad it was, exactly how little freedom she had in any moment. There's a guy right outside my window. God damn, he scared me. He's Mm -hmm. my buck, man. (laughs) Um, All right, so one of the reasons I love this documentary is that there's no narration. There's no modern-day interviews with people connected to the story. There's basically not even any text on screen. It's literally just edited together archival footage that almost no one has ever seen. Um, 
and it's edited together so cleverly, so well. There's an early scene where they're trying to get baby William, he's like two, um, to look through the eyepiece of the VHS recorder camera that one of the news guys has. And he's got it down to the ground and they get William up there. And then he looks into the eyepiece. The guy directing this movie got the footage from that tape inside that news camera. Mm -hmm. And it is a wall of paparazzi three feet away taking Mm -hmm. his picture. And he doesn't have to be heavy handed with the editing because the footage does it for him. Like there's a, there's a scene once the Camilla Parker Bowles stuff starts speculating, there's, there's footage of a hunt and William or uh, Charles is there and Camilla is there, even though they aren't shown speaking to each other. But you also at the same time are hearing all kinds of audio, uh, media panel show speculation, um, all kinds of, news coverage uh, <clears throat> and then it shows the dogs tearing a rabbit apart to mm. pieces and it, if this was a movie where they were trying to underscore that the princess character <laughs> mm-hmm. is being torn to pieces by the media and then they cut to footage of a rabbit being torn to pieces that would be heavy handed mm-hmm. but he doesn't have to do that it's footage from their lives mm-hmm. um, there's a moment late after they've separated, because uh, when they separate, they're like, well, hopefully you will leave us alone now um, and let our private lives be private. And they just, they didn't. They just, mm-hmm. just they stepped up their harassment of her. There's a shot of her stone wall at her new residence. And these guys are up on step ladders so they can take pictures over it. A few scenes later, they've built two-story scaffolds. so they, And there's guys up there just basically constantly filming her yard. Mm-hmm. She goes through the airport at one point and has to put a tennis racket in front of her face. She's got on glasses. And they are making her run into them. And they're being dicks. They're Mm -hmm. like, just let us get one picture and we'll stop. You know, we just need one picture. And she said, no. Mm -hmm. And then a little girl runs up to her and hands her flowers. And she stops and bends down and speaks to the little girl and takes the flowers. And even in the midst of being shark food, she still stopped. And she still had this spirit about her that was so special. I just, I was blown away by this documentary. I didn't know what it was when it started. Um, I mean, I knew it was Princess Die, but I was expecting typical stuff, lots of drone footage of streets, uh, narration. Yeah. Um, and I love a documentary that just lets me see the footage mm-hmm. and doesn't even need to really tell a story other than what's right there on the screen. And I don't want to diminish what we here in America did to Britney Spears and other famous people. Um, But Princess Di had it 10 times worse. I Mm. just never knew how bad it was. And uh, it was really eye-opening. It made me very, very angry. I ranted about it to my wife for like 30 minutes. Uh, It was unfair to her. Um, It's on HBO. It's called The Princess. Uh, I think it's really moving and important, and I really loved it. So there you go. Yeah, I watched it after you recommended it earlier in the week. Uh, and the thing that I took out of it was just how many people think they know somebody just by having seen footage of things and heard somebody talk or like they form all these opinions about things that they have no absolute clue about at all. 
they and it doesn't matter whether or not these people are positive for princess die or negative right. for it right. doesn't matter because you can't I, I i'm sitting there going like everybody's like just saying this with like a hundred percent conviction that they knew what she was thinking what she was feeling mm-hmm. what all this and and nobody knows nobody can possibly know um and there was just a bunch of that, and that's what made me mad about it the most. Was that was that you know? And we see this all the time. It doesn't matter what news story you see about any celebrity. Uh, you know, it goes it goes as far as you know. Like we just had one this past summer with the Johnny Depp Amber Heard thing. Everybody just knows, just knows what happened there. Yeah. They just know. That's that um, shot where Diana's sitting on a bench at that monument for a mm-hmm. long time, mm-hmm. and there's footage from just passers-by two yeah. guys and one of them goes i bet she's thinking about her marriage mm-hmm. and yeah, yeah it was just fucking creepy like mm-hmm. and, and and yeah we do this but that's what i liked about this movie is that it takes everybody to task except mm-hmm. her right mm-hmm. uh, i felt like it was not super friendly to charles um the media takes a lot of licks but i think even her adoring fans are taken to task yeah for, making her have to try and be something she never asked to be uh sounds like you enjoyed it even if you didn't like it as much as i did no Um, i did i I mean i think it's uh you know it's important to see how how uh you know how just i don't know it's important to see how much people how much famous people have to go through i mean we saw the same thing in the the um that michael jordan the bulls uh documentary yeah uh, where Michael Jordan couldn't have a normal day of life, basically, mm-hmm. for the longest time. Just wake up, you got all your team, and you got this thing you got to do, and then as soon as you go out, there's just mobs of people who want to talk to you and, and, uh, and uh, you know, uh, have their story, their Michael Jordan story or whatever. So, uh, Yep. The other the other thing in that too was they show that the the paparazzi with the telescopic lens and everything and they show like the like you know it's really close up in their cameras and and you think and she, there's a point where Diana like has this startled look and she starts talking to the people she's with and goes and the, you can hear the paparazzi go I think she made us is no she couldn't have made us we're all the way all the way out here or whatever and they're yeah. like a mile away yeah and uh and I was sitting there going she made you she saw figures way far away and thought well that's exactly what paparazzi would do so um yeah so yeah um from a documentary to mockumentary um uh there's a there's a 10 episode series on paramount plus called players um that uh made by the same people who did american vandal now if you go into this hoping for another American Vandal, you're going to be partially uh, happy about that because there <laughs> is a lot of things about players that's exactly like uh, American Vandal. But I don't know if I've ever seen a mockumentary actually take some things like more seriously than normal. Uh, they play up the competition that's going on in this. This is an eSports mockumentary where you have uh people on a on a team playing a a playing a game league of legends and uh and uh 
there's one team called Fugitive. This run is is headed by uh, somebody who goes by Cream Cheese, and um, and uh, he uh, seven or eight years ago, uh, Fugitive came into the esports ranks and just started demolishing, and then they choked in the championship. And at the end of it, Cream Cheese is like he's like. Like, you know, we're going to go back, we're going to come back and we're going to win five or six or seven championships. We're going to win them all or whatever. Uh, so fast forward to the present day, they haven't won any championships. <laughs> and the team has been bought by a Mark Cuban style owner who has found a, 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 a pro, like a prodigy, a guy who's like really good and single player uh, named Organism. He wants organism to be on the team. Now they have like a they have like a, a like I don't know if it's a minor leagues or if it's an under team or a bunch of I don't know what you would call that or whatever. Organism's supposed to be on that team, but the it's it's clear that the ownership is just already like let's get organism on the team, which means they're going to have to kick off cream cheese's best friend, who's also not a very good player. But they're going to have to kick him off in favor of organism. And so it starts off where they're struggling pretty hard and cream cheese doesn't like organism. And organism is a very quiet guy. Doesn't, doesn't boast, doesn't say anything, doesn't, doesn't communicate. And that's one of the biggest problems they have early on. Um, and, um, and so, uh, that there is, there's a lot of American Vandal type stuff in here where when people are doing talking head stuff, there's just absurd jokes going on. Uh, there's a point where the coach uh, who used to be a player on the team, also a friend of cream, cream cheese says something like after one, after a loss, after I think that's like two out of three. And so they lose one of the games and they go back to the locker room or whatever. And he goes, and he goes, how many, how many cannons were on that game that we just played? And everybody's was people were like, "What is he asking? What are these cannons? What? Who gives a fuck or whatever?" And he's like, and then he's like, "How many?" And he starts going through all these little game things or whatever. And it's it's, it's exact speech from Hoosiers basically, where oh. uh, where Gene Hackman's like measure the the, the you know oh. the height of the basket and all that, and uh, and and uh, and so it's it's that. But you know, and then he kind of I think he kind of steps on the joke by saying, "Well, this was a speech from Hoosiers, but you know," and I was like, "Oh." <laughs> Oh, man, uh, but uh, but, but there's um, the one part that, that I just keep coming back to for some reason. It was just it's just just funny to me the way it's delivered is like he's like talk, cream cheese is talking about how he had to live with his his buddy and his wife for a long time and sleep on their couch for like three years while he's trying to get good or whatever. And he's like, he's like, oh man, there were things on that couch. I probably can't even say this. Say what's on that couch like come (laughs) (laughs) so it has a lot of like really funny things in it it's just that if you're looking for american vandal where they're like constantly just constantly piling jokes upon jokes um on it you're not gonna you're not gonna like that too much but i think you're going to enjoy the fact that there is that kind of humor in it but it's also taking more of a you know hey this is this is a competition this is kind of an underdog competition or you know as close to underdog as we can come up with and and uh it's a lot of fun so players is on paramount plus i i highly recommend 
Excellent. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Excellent. All right. Well, I have probably talked about this movie before uh, in past uh, shows and podcasts. Uh, It's not The Founder. I will acknowledge mm, to the listeners not that the I, founder. Okay, okay. I have somehow recommended the founder twice on Recotopia in just 27 episodes. Um, <clears throat> but this is Count of Monte Cristo, which is um, mm. um, Jim Caviezel uh, and Guy Pierce essentially are the main roles. Uh, I don't know if you ever read this book. Um, don't think it, I have. It is a classic piece of literature uh, mm-hmm. that I read in school. Uh, this is just a really solid movie that I think got lost to time. Um, perhaps because I could maybe do a research paper and find out. Maybe it came out in the shadow of a mega blockbuster, or maybe its trailers didn't actually show you what the movie was going to be about. Um, but this is a pretty straightforward adaptation. Um, Caviezel is um, a French first mate, basically, on a, on a shipping boat. Guy Pierce is just a mate. He's not as important. Or maybe they're equals when it starts. They end up shipwrecked on the island Napoleon's at, as you do, mm-hmm, um, because mm-hmm. Napoleon's been banished. That's when this takes place. Um, and uh, Napoleon gives him a letter to give to an old friend. Uh, and stupidly, he takes it. And when he gets back, <clears throat> he is basically arrested um, and... They open the letter and it's got state secrets and like, you know, up, overthrow the government kind of bull crap, like the kind of thing Napoleon would probably send a letter uh, like. And uh, so he gets thrown in jail and he's there to die. He doesn't get thrown into a regular jail. He gets thrown into Michael Wincott's jail, mm-hmm. which is uh, an island. It's like an, it's like Alcatraz, only it's built down into the earth. The island juts up like a mountain out of the water. And uh, this is the place where they send the, the prisoners they don't, they don't want to remember, they don't want to think about, because they are probably innocent, uh, as he is told. And uh, he befriends an old priest who lives in the cell next to him. Um, and uh, they start digging um, to dig a tunnel out, even though it's going to take years, and yada, yada. He gets out of prison. I don't want to spill all the details, but from there he sets about on one of the most dedicated revenge sprees I have ever seen. I'm not even sure I can get on board with all of it. <laughs> um, he sets about to humiliate uh, and or kill everyone who had a hand in framing him for this crime, uh, including his former best friend, Guy Pierce. Uh, young Superman, Henry Cavill, is in this, playing Guy Pierce's son. Um, and uh, it's just really solid. I have a good time every time it's on, and... I just don't think enough people have seen it, and if they have, they never talk about it. So there you mm-hmm. go. Count them on. Yeah, I enjoyed it when I saw it uh, in. I think I saw it in theaters when it came out. Uh, and uh, really, I when when it comes to adaptations that have been done a million times, uh, I I get a little antsy because it's like, ah, oh, here we go again. Here's another one. But this was really good. I really yeah. really liked it. I need to see it again. And it's one of those Kevin Reynolds movies that Kevin Costner somehow didn't take over. Yeah, weird. So strange. <laughs> Um, uh, also I, over the weekend I saw, and, and, and I had been recommended this several times, but you know, the, the runtime was always, was always tough to get around. Uh, but, uh, 
RRR. Um, oh my! Uh, I finally got to see that. I had a couple of buddies who wanted to see it, so uh, we all we all went into my living room and watched RRR. And this movie is bonkers in all the right ways. Um, uh, it's just one of those. Uh, it's just one of those. It's one of those movies where the the action that you know you know pretty early on that you're in a movie that's like it gives zero fucks about whether you think any of this is possible or not it gives zero fucks whether or not hmm. you know because is so so everything that happens in this is just insane uh and 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 delightful for it if if you can go all in with this type of action and you, you might, I might have an internal debate with myself as to why I would like something like RRR, but not like a ridiculous Fast and the Furious sequel, right? So it's like Fast and the Furious doesn't seem to do anything any different, but I still find there's a line that RRR crosses that makes it better and makes it more fun. Um, uh, but this movie is about uh, a girl who gets abducted from a village um uh and uh these people uh there are there are some people who volunteer to try to get her back she gets abducted by uh english english types you know english colonial types always fucking up the works in these movies man um uh they abduct her uh ostensibly for slavery and everything um and uh so so uh her i guess it's her brother older brother and then uh and then or, or someone related um and a bunch of other people decide they're gonna go they're gonna try to find her but they have they have to concoct uh a plan obviously and it's gonna take a really long time for them to do so meanwhile the movie is also telling us the story of an officer who is uh an indian officer in this mostly white uh uh, mostly white English army or whatever who wants to who wants to um, be promoted. He wants to become a special officer, and a lot of people are like, "Why are you doing this? This is you. This is you're kind of going against your people here." Um, early on in the movie, uh, uh, someone throws something over a, a barrier of some sort. It hits a hits a general, and uh, and the general's like. We need to go arrest that man. But there's like a million protesters outside this big, huge like uh, area. How in the world are you supposed to arrest somebody like that? This guy, Rom, decides he's going to take on the mob by himself. He goes out. <laughs> he goes out and all these people start trying to fight him, but he beats them up or they <laughs> they or they surround him and they tr start trying to hold him down but he's able to pull through them and able to get through all of that and uh and uh finally he he nabs the guy who actually threw the thing at the general and he has to go back but this is just this big long fight scene where he's just getting his ass beat but it doesn't matter because he's beating ass as much back <laughs> and uh ends up ends up taking this guy back over the barrier and and uh and closing the gate behind him and everything and you're like oh this guy this guy's special they don't promote him they don't promote him those racist dogs and so um so he's he's struggling to try to find out how he can how he can promote how he can go up the go up the ranks uh and um 
And so there's a point where the two characters who we've been following, who don't know who each other are, um, there's a kid who's like, there's a kid who's like about to fall off this bridge and and the rom is on the top of the bridge and beam the other guy is at the bottom and they point each other out and they like they suddenly know this is what we got to do and they do this audacious thing that's just impossible for you to telepathically telepathically figure out amongst <laughs> the others to save the kid it goes on like this this movie goes on like this for three hours and it's one of these it's one of these movies where it's like, okay, we're going to spend three hours and it's, it doesn't ever feel like it's just, it's never boring. It's never like drags or anything. It's, it's like, okay, we're going to spend time with these characters. We're going to spend time in their lives. You're going to enjoy it because every little thing that we do is going to be a big set piece of some sort. There's a big dance number in this. There's a big, there's, I mean, the action is, is intense and just insane all the way through. I can't recommend RRR enough and it might end up being a big recommend at some point. Wow. Uh, that's how wow. fun this movie is. Where so, did you see this? What this is on Netflix. Oh, all right. Mm-hmm. Well, I have that. <clears throat> yeah. All right. I am. I, I've already been intrigued by what I have heard about this film and, uh, I'm relieved to see that it's only three hours because earlier I think uh, someone said four hours, uh, perhaps exaggeratingly so, and I was like four hours. I'm not sure. I'm yeah, have to it, do that in shit. It's not four, thank God. I don't think they had enough enough to go for four hours there, but who knows? Maybe they would have found, you know, uh, I don't know. They they've done they did every insane thing that you can possibly think of in this movie. So I don't know what they would have done for another hour here, but yeah, this is three hours. <laughs> Three-hour movie. Um, awesome. On to uh, the big recommend. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then... Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. I'm fine. I'm fine. It's just that you're so big. It's so huge. It's a good rule, but this is bigger than rules. It's bigger on the inside. Is it? I noticed. And uh, it is 2015's Dope. Um, this uh, this movie, I saw it back in the day, and I was like, I like that, or whatever. But I haven't seen it since. So I, I wanted to, to give it a revisit. And uh, and I was I think I like it better the second time uh, that I watched it. Um, uh, but this is about, about a bunch of uh, nerdy friends. Uh uh, the the main character is played by Shamik Moore, who you may know as Miles Morales. 
from uh, Spider-Verse. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it also has the guy who plays Flash Thompson in it. Uh, uh, in the other Spider-Man movies, uh, plays his friend, and uh, and uh, and uh, Kiersey Clemens rounds it out. I think Kiersey Clemens, by the way, uses they/them pronouns when I looked them up. So, uh, but does play does play a girl in this movie. So, um, uh, anyway, this uh, this movie is uh, is just sort of like uh, how a nerdy kid ends up into a, in a world of like uh you know drug dealing uh out of nowhere it seems like basically because you know he's he's a he, he's a nerdy kid but he lives in a dangerous part of Englewood California called the bottoms and uh and uh he is always having to run away from bullies uh at school he's running away from Lakeith Stanfield quite a bit lakeith stanfield i think this is before anything we knew him from really uh uh before atlanta before get out uh this was this was a role he took uh back then um uh he's running away from him and he's running that at some point he runs into drug dealer dom played by asap rocky Mm-hmm. Um, Dom gets into a, a very funny conversation with him about early nineties hip hop. Uh, I think the funniest thing is that, you know, is that, uh, uh, this kid, uh, talks about, um, <laughs> talks about, uh, it, you know, uh, these albums and he's like, well, that came out in 1988 and the blueprint came out in 2001. They're not in the nineties. And, uh, and he goes, well, you know, still basically nineties, you know, <laughs> these albums, you know? <laughs> um, uh, so, uh, so Dom asks him to ask, this girl out for him to go to a party and this girl's played by zoe kravitz zoe kravitz is uh trying to get her ged and um um seems to be a little bit of a like a a spark maybe uh at first um and um between the between these two characters god why am i blanking on his character name malcolm um Malcolm and uh and Zoe Kravitz they seem to have a little thing at first but he's asking Dom for him asking for Dom to ask her to this party and everything and um uh eventually gets her to go to the party as long as he goes to as as long as he goes to and when he goes to the party um uh, a, a shootout occurs um and uh Dom puts in puts a bunch of drugs in Malcolm's book bag and a gun and uh and uh, Dom gets arrested but uh, Malcolm gets away and Malcolm has no idea that these drugs and this gun are in his book bag until the next morning and he goes through the metal detector and the guard is just like yeah just go ahead I know you're I know <laughs> way you're too not big a, of a nerd to yeah way too bad. big of a nerd he finds out when he goes to his locker that he's got a whole bunch of MD, mdma or whatever uh molly in his uh in his bag with a gun and he tells his friends and uh early on the uh he gets a phone call uh from somebody saying hey need to deliver this to a red camino after school and so he's set to do that until he gets a call from dom in prison saying you don't want to give it to that guy 
that guy is probably a snitch or he's uh he's a he's a cop so don't you don't want to you don't want to give it to him so now he's got he's got people after him for this for these drugs and um and uh he has to he has to figure out where to where to put them dom says take it to this person named aj and they sort of just get into this big, huge adventure at this point because he's he's running away from these guys who want the drugs. He runs to this house where AJ is, and he runs into AJ's kids, uh, brother and sister. And this <laughs> this the the sister is this extremely gorgeous, like walks around naked, uh, <laughs> like like it seems to be on drugs already but is about to get even on even more drugs um and the brother is like this this like guy who's like a hip-hop wannabe guy who wants to jam with them while they wait for aj to come home and uh and uh and this all culminates in him finally running into aj and finding out that aj is the guy that his counselor has has set up an interview with so that he can get into Harvard. And this is a Harvard legacy guy. This AJ guy just so happens to be the guy that Dom told him to take the drugs to. There are a lot of these kind of coincidences. In here. <laughs> and I, and I, it's clearly on purpose. And after like the second or third one, I began to enjoy them and not be annoyed by them. Uh, because I think that the, the movie's telling a very specific type of story yeah. anyway yes that's, well and, was, and and the chat has already lit up with a lot of the the, the, the craziness that happens here like i thought it was kind of silly that he didn't know that the drugs and the gun was in his book bag until the very next morning when he's walking in a, a nerdy kid like that probably has opened his book bag at least twice by the time he <laughs> before he gets to school uh uh that type of thing but uh you know whatever you're 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 not in for the you're not in for the uh, critique you're in for the ride and and that's pretty much what they're what they've set up for you you know um but uh, when he takes it to aj and uh, and when he, at first he just thinks he's ha he's has has an interview with age uh with this person named uh, jacoby he's uh he just thinks it's an interview for harvard actually it is an interview for harvard and but when he goes there he finds out that this guy is those is those two kids dad uh and uh and, uh, and Malcolm says, Dom told me to bring this to you. And AJ, very coolly, uh, never acknowledges that that's his. Yeah. Never acknowledges anything about the bag and just basically starts to turn it into a big metaphor about Amazon and Amazon delivering to the correct customers and keeping their reputation. Mm. And, and, uh, and, and basically says, without saying it, if you're able to get these to the customers – and uh and uh, make the make the money that you're supposed to make on it i'll get you into harvard harvard if you if you do this um so being a nerd he comes up with this idea that they are going to sell these drugs using bitcoin which is something that it may be the first time movies ever really talked about bitcoin in this way um yeah. in fact apparently you could go watch this movie and 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 use bitcoin to pay for your ticket if you wanted to uh back in the day i did not realize this that was sort of a fun thing that uh, the, the people who made dope uh, uh did 
uh, for this. But yes, it's a it's a it's this it's this it's using Bitcoin and using sort of the it's using the dark web to sell sell these drugs. And then, of course, there's a whole bunch of things that happen here that allow this to happen uh, more expeditiously than normal. Uh, we talked about the 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 hot sister that's at the house. Uh, there's a point where. Uh, everybody in the, everybody who's in the house waiting for AJ go out to get food while Malcolm and this girl stay, stay at the house. And this girl immediately seduces Malcolm. Uh, and, and it looks like they're about to have sex, but she has much like Uma Thurman and Pulp Fiction has stumbled on a brick of this, uh, ecstasy and is, is already snorting it and is, like just absolutely out of her mind i think chanel iman does a great job in in this uh by the way i mean it's it's easy to say that ah she's a model she's she's just playing you know naked girl or whatever but man there's so many things that she does in this that are just they're just hilarious her her body movements are hilarious in this especially when he's when malcolm says "I'm i'm gonna be late for the interview and she goes well i'll take you and she's like all on she's just completely fucked up and she just like she's like she's like yeah i got a car and she just like leans up against this wall and slams her head up against it and you're like there's no way you would drive with anybody who who acts like this she goes out she they're, they're driving out there and she falls asleep at the wheel and then malcolm like tries to wake her up and she thinks she's somewhere else she has to pee she runs out in the middle of the fucking road to a place by the way, a great Starbucks uh, parody, <laughs> a seven bucks coffee, um, <laughs> it goes over and starts peeing in front of everybody. And of course, it becomes a huge viral sensation. How am I the- supposed to eat my pancake? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Of course, there's a guy who's getting interviewed about it. Oh, um, God. And. Um, and uh, the the drugs she's on become known more as Lily instead of Molly, and people are looking for their fix of Lily, not Molly, and um and uh, this uh ultimately comes to uh they trying to figure out how they can how they can sell a lot of this they they enlist their uh, buddy from Bandcamp. <laughs> um uh played by blake anderson i can't remember his name in the movie um blake anderson from workaholics let me see he's playing will sherwood uh now will will is a will is a white guy who wants to say the n-word he wants to say it a lot and and there and he's asking he's asking why he can't say it and they can call him that and so on and so forth there's that debate that goes on in this Kiersey Clemens makes sure to slap him every time he does say it. Um, but he is a hacker. He's the guy who's going to get into the computer systems and he's going to use the dark web and he's going to be able to set up a lot of things for them. Uh, while they, uh, they've got this very convenient classroom that is never used by the way, at the, uh, at the school that they can use as a, it's like a Google science uh, thing or whatever that they've joined and there's a computer lab that they can go into that nobody ever uses nobody not even one person ever uses yep. that they can they can do all this computer shit with the drugs and everything um and uh so he helps them out 
And uh, this becomes this big, huge thing, finally culminating in a big party where they play as their band, Aureo. Uh, and, uh, and that becomes a big thing for the Lily drug later on. Uh, and, uh, by the way, Pharrell Williams produced a lot of the music that was in this. And, uh, and, uh, I, I, I was sitting there looking for some Ario songs after, after this, after this movie, because uh, there's, there's some really cool ones in there that don't get deleted is a really awesome yeah. song. Yeah. And the, and I'm feeling good and all that <laughs> song, that one is a, so uh, really, really enjoyed this movie a lot. Uh, I'm glad that I gave this one another look, even though I had liked it before. Um, and now I, now I really, really love it. I love all the little twists and turns and like the craziness that it goes, goes in, goes into this. What did you think? I've been speaking enough. Uh, I really liked it. Um, I am not certain. So this was my first viewing, so I'm not certain where on like a grading scale I would put it, but it would be in the high B's, I think. Mm -hmm. um there are a lot of little touches that made me laugh um there are there are plenty of obvious jokes um like the guy even the guy how am i supposed to eat my pound cake gets turned into a meme um <laughs> yeah but there's so many little throwaway jokes like at one point there i think it might even be the narrator talking about um Liking white people shit, like Donald Glover. Um, <laughs> like basically, mm -hmm. the joke in the movie is calling, saying white people love Donald Glover. Mm -hmm. They're not wrong. I think everybody loves Donald Glover. Mm -hmm. The Bloods have a YouTube channel. One yeah. day they're on their way home from school and they have to go a long way because the Bloods are in the alley making yep. a video for their YouTube channel. <laughs> yep, when yep. the kids do go out with AJ's son to get food, they uh, are specifically in search of chili cheese fries. Mm -hmm. um, they say even before they leave the house, he's like, well, we should, what should we eat? Chili cheese fries, almost immediately. Mm -hmm. um, so they go to this place that serves them, and they get into this altercation uh, that turns into a shootout. And the two friends of Malcolm hop the counter and go back and are diving out the drive through window to get away from the shootout in the restaurant. And the mm -hmm. dude goes back for the chili cheese fries. He sees yeah. the, <laughs> the food sitting there on the counter. And he comes yeah. back in the window to grab it. <laughs> yeah. You don't ever see them eat the cheese fries. Just, no. Just little touches like that. Um, I loved the Chekhov's gun here because I was waiting for that gun that was put in the bag with the drugs to come out mm -hmm. all movie long. I even said at one point, did they forget there was a gun in that bag? And they did not. No, um, not Malcolm even in this one scene where you're, you're, you swear at some point he's just going to be like, take the gun out so that he doesn't go through the security thing with it. But he, when he goes through the security thing, the second one that's not a big deal, they just let him go on or whatever. Yeah. It, he's had that gun in his bag the whole time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and then he pulls it on Lakeith Stanfield's crew near the end. Um to basically end that particular bullying relationship forever because we see him in a montage at the end, like tipping his cap to Malcolm when he walks mm -hmm. by him in the school. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> I actually would have preferred the movie to end right after his uh, speech to Harvard, mm -hmm. uh, which is filmed in several locations. Uh, and then it cuts to him on the street and he says, why do I want to go to Harvard? If I was white, you wouldn't even have to ask me that. Yeah. And I think, bam, that's the ending. Instead, we get kind of a miniature uh, Return of the King kind of like, like we have to tie off every loose end, and it's not bad stuff. I don't 
just enjoy those scenes. Yeah. Um, but that's where I thought the movie was going to end, and then it, it kept going well, a little bit. Well, and there's no reason that they couldn't do all that prom Six flag stuff before that yeah. big scene there's yeah. no reason why they couldn't do that that's why it's it, it's i was sitting there like i was sitting there going i was when you had that in your notes i was i was sitting there going yeah that would have been a better ending but is there anything they could have done and well really honestly yeah they could have just put that at the end instead of just instead of putting all the other stuff in there. they could have even put the part where he gets the harvard letter at the end like in the credits or something if they wanted to or or like at the like right after he says that it goes to directed by or whatever and then it goes right back to him getting accepted or whatever like you know that that getting accepted thing could have been in the credits but i don't know yeah. i yeah. i i, I you, you don't even really need to show the acceptance uh, at the end you're already keeping it somewhat ambivalent at the end because you mm -hmm. see you see him smile but you don't, I mean, you still don't know whether or not that really means yes or no or whatever. He might be like smiling, like, oh, that's typical, you yeah. know, you yeah. know, oh, I didn't get in. That's typical. And he just smiles because of it. So you don't know. No. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, I agree with you. I think it should have ended with that, that speech. Cause, uh, uh, that would have, that would have been the powerful way to, 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 to end it. I really loved Kiersey Clemens in this movie. There's a line where somebody says it's like a game of whack-a-mole, whack-a-mole. Kiersey <laughs> goes, "Wait, what the fuck is whack-a-mole?" <laughs> and it was just the perfect delivery, but also it's one of those jokes that you instantly realize, "Oh yeah, that person probably has no clue what whack-a-mole is." Mm -hmm. It's not uh, not an everyday reference for the younger generations. Yeah. Um, yeah, I laughed a lot. Um, I will definitely be watching this again sometime, and I'm really glad that I got to see it. Well, and the uh, also the part where they 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 cinema sends the that dude that hip hop guy's uh, music because he he calls cereal burial, and uh, you know it, where where What's he's. Burial? Yeah, where he doesn't want to say c words and 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 uh, and, uh, and the guys, but you said, but you you you're able to say crab, no problem. Like, what's the deal with that? You know, and she goes. I would have thought the hard c would have been an. But nah, <laughs> she goes. She's like, she's like, I think see the hard hard c would have been a big deal, but but nah. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, uh, yeah, this is this this movie is a whole lot of fun. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, there's a reason why I put it in the big re recommend and uh, I'm glad that I got to see it again and, um, hope everybody else out there enjoyed it. I do uh, believe the chat, uh, largely enjoyed it. Uh, yeah. Looks like I it. Tell. Mm -hmm. I, uh, uh, it falls to me now to deliver a surprise double feature. Surprise yeah. double feature. Be very, very quiet. Secret. What secret? Our dirty little secret. I tell you something I've never told anyone. <laughs> And I just want to implore everybody to watch the movie Fresh that we discussed on an earlier episode of this show. Mm -hmm. Because Fresh would be an excellent double feature for this film. Dope and but, fresh. Dope and fresh. Uh, mm -hmm. But they both involve a young person getting wrapped up in the world of drugs and then basically getting one over on their drug world superiors. Um, but I, I, I can't do that one. We've already talked about that. I thought often throughout this movie about the movie Good Boys. Um, and the movie Easy A. Okay. Um, just because there was a lot of that fish out of water high school 
um, young kid adventure type stuff. But your double feature today is going to be the movie Go. Um, <laughs> I was thinking about this movie as well during yeah, this. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, there's so many parallels between this movie and Go in terms of the tone, in terms of some wild coincidences that make mm-hmm. the adventure propel forward, uh, in terms of young people dabbling in the world of drugs uh, where they have no business being and getting on wild adventures with criminals. Yeah. Um, I think I love Go. I like Go more than Swingers. Uh, mm-hmm. even Same here. It came, I think Swingers has more of a cult following. I don't think as many people have even seen Go, to be honest. Probably uh, not. But uh, it's great. And uh, <laughs> I just, I, I couldn't stop thinking about Go from almost about 30 minutes in um, to dope. And uh, I just think they would pair really well together as uh, the same kind of romping adventure into crime. Uh, mm-hmm. I like I like this tip pairing a lot because I was thinking of Go a lot uh, during this because Sarah Polly is the one who who sells the drugs when she's not a drug dealer throughout yes. this whole thing. Uh, only the problem is for her, uh, you know, is that Timothy Oliphant is uh, is not in jail during this time, yeah. and he and and she has to worry about that. I like the comments, by the way. Albina says, uh, you know, talking about the Kiersey Clemens character, Diggy would be dope at Cinema Sins. That's, that's perfect. Uh, perfect. And Nick says a good double feature purely for the name is Nope. So you have Dope yeah. and Nope. Um, yeah. Believe uh, it or not, that actually came to my mind as well, but I haven't seen Nope yet. So. Well, and another one that uh, that came to my mind uh, stri- strictly for the uh, the business part of this was Risky Business. Um uh, because risky business, Tom Cruise sets up a, a an escort service while he's in high school, and he has to write a paper about it by the end. Which is another thing I liked about this. At the beginning of this movie, you sort of hate this counselor guy because he's like, because he gets this paper from Malcolm that's about Ice Cube, and and the counselor's like, "Who the hell do you think you are? You're arrogant, thinking you're going to get into Harvard." Uh, yep. you know, and he's, you need to write something that's more personal and he's absolutely right. But Malcolm is absolutely right in the fact that he doesn't want to write that cliche thing about, I didn't know my father or I had my, my mother only, I knew my, uh, my mother brought me up all this. I lived in a hard neighborhood, so on and so forth. So he wants to come up with, he, he lucks into a, a paper here. Well, lucks into is is a, is is bad lucks basically. Then good yeah. luck at the end um, uh, into being able to write a more personal story at the end, which becomes that that uh, that Harvard letter at, at the very end. But um, anyway, yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Uh, you never know with some of these, right? Like I I get the feeling someday we're gonna we're gonna. Uh, recommend something and like only one person likes it and everybody else hates it and uh it'll be a it'll be a like a half warnatopia so well you know as long as we both one of us one of the two of us really enjoys what we're recommending i think it's worth sharing with people absolutely um i am going to give you homework for next week Mm -hmm. i mentioned this movie a couple of weeks ago on recotopia um we're gonna go with 1987's no way out um, no way out. This All is right. Kevin Costner, Gene Hackman, and unless he's done it recently, I don't think Chris has seen this movie. I have seen it. Yeah, I saw it. Um, 
you uh you recommended this i don't know maybe two years ago and i watched okay. it shortly after yeah okay so you have seen it um you didn't hate it right no i liked it okay good um so this uh this is uh basically a political noir thriller who done it after a politician's mistress gets murdered um, and uh, I don't really want to say too much about it, uh, mm-hmm. but if you uh, have Hulu on a premium subscription or the Roku channel on a premium mm-hmm. subscription, you will not have to pay to rent it. Uh, it is available for rent at three ninety nine on all the regular streaming services. Um, mm-hmm. So Hulu, no way out, 1988, that's your homework for next week, and I haven't seen it in probably five years, so mm. I'm very excited to get back to this movie. Mm. I've seen it two or three times. So. I uh, I particularly love the boxing montage where you hear the, there's no easy way out. <laughs> doom, <laughs> doom. <laughs> that oh, part man, of the movie should, is excellent. So We should end uh, the show with uh, singing every week. Um, <laughs> we should. <laughs> let's, do some, let's do some questions. we got a little bit of time for some questions. Mm-hmm. Question. Question. I got something to say. I am listening. Um, what is your favorite role credits moment? Hmm. Uh, I mean, there's not very many good ones, by the way. <laughs> Most of the time, it just seems a little bit too on the nose, even though sometimes they didn't even have the name of the movie ready when they came up with this. Like like in Scream, where Matthew Lillard is like, it's a Scream, baby! They didn't even know the movie was called Scream at that point, but it still <laughs> seems on the nose. Um, and uh, But uh, I, I do get sufficient chills when Richard Attenborough says, welcome to Jurassic Park. Oh. Um, and uh, I, I do think that is a great moment with the John Williams score and everything. I also like... It's uh, it's at the end of A River Runs Through It, but Robert Redford has that narration through the movie where he says A River Runs Through It. It's this big, long sort of like uh, finish to the movie where he's narrating, and it, it gets to that point where A River Runs Through It. And it's, really, and it's just in the middle of a paragraph of things that he's saying. It doesn't seem like – it's not a point where Craig Sheffer turns to Brad Pitt and says, hey, A River Runs Through It. You know, it doesn't, <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't do that. So mm-hmm. I, uh, I cheated with my first answer because it was the trailer for Raw Deal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was like they gave Schwarzenegger a raw deal. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody gives Schwarzenegger a raw deal. Oh, I bet that was Don LaFontaine doing oh, that sure one was. too. Yeah, I'm sure it was. I also mm-hmm. like uh, the Dark Knight at the end when Batman's riding away on the motorcycle, mm-hmm. the cops are chasing him, and Gary Oldman does that speech about the hero we deserve, mm-hmm. uh, and he ends with the Dark Knight. And I'm pretty yes. sure that's the very last line of dialogue in the whole film. Uh, I, I think it is. The Batman boy in me uh, gets excited about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really great scene and a really good yeah mo- uh, example of that. What are we, some kind of Suicide Squad? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That uh, one's uh, outstanding. Mm-hmm. The first nope in nope. I haven't seen that one. Yep, yep. Um, all right, another question. Um, what movie quote do you often find yourself finishing when you hear someone coincidentally say the start of the quote in real life? For example, when I hear someone say Jesus Christ, I can't help following it up with, it's Jason Bourne. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, You know, it's funny. I I had to think about this one because a lot of my quotes come from music and the Simpsons and stuff like that. So, like, 
there's not very many movies where somebody says something and I suddenly get into that movie, but I do like, like somebody says such and such is dead or whatever. Somebody is dead. And I go to the swimming with sharks quote, uh, with, uh, Kevin Spacey where, um, where, uh, Frank Whaley tells him that David lean is dead. And he's like, no, he's not. Don't ever say that. He's just unavailable. <laughs> <laughs> So that's my that's my that's my, that's one that I like to to uh, to pull out every once in a while. I uh, <laughs> I think I've told this story on a different podcast, but I was working before YouTube. I was working at a web design firm where half the company did IT servers and half the company did we built websites and did um, marketing digital marketing mm-hmm. for clients. And we had about six seven employees total. It was a pretty small company. Um, and we went through a period of about six to eight months where we were just really struggling on the website side. And my boss from the IT side was a very analytical thinker. And he did this entire speech about how we aren't selling our websites at the correct price. We are selling them too low because the effort that we're spending over here doesn't come out in the money over here. And he ended by saying, the price is wrong. And mm-hmm. I went, bitch, and <laughs> immediately regretted it. Yeah. Uh, even though... You, you I- always do this back <laughs> in the day, apparently. Just foot in your mouth kind of stuff. Like, at the ranch, at the, you know, here. You're always, like, just saying stuff just inappropriately at uh, whatever time. Yeah. Yeah, I backpedaled immediately and said, oh, my God, that's from Happy Gilmore. I'm so sorry. It was not the right time. And my boss was, he, he calmed down later. He was a little unhappy that I. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I thought that was a funny story. Yeah, All right, let's that, do. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 those are always things that become great stories later, but you're mortified for like a week <laughs> or two after that. Oh, man. Oh, I see a lot of, hi there, Dr. Nick. Um, yep. And uh, roll credits is something people seem to say a lot. Uh, somebody says Martha. Somebody will yell, why did you say that name? Yeah. Remember, remember the 5th of November. I do that often. As well. Oh, yeah. Anytime, anytime someone says a character's dead, I respond with, I'm not dead yet from Monty Python. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not dead yet. <laughs> um, all right. Let's do one more quick one, and then we'll wrap it up. All right. Um, what is a movie cameo that has aged poorly? Okay, so this is more than a cameo, but it is a small role. But Army Hammer and Sorry to Bother You mm. comes up in a point in the movie where the the movie is about to try to sell you something that you may not go along with uh, uh, completely, you know. Um, but Army Hammer showing up and being that person, uh, you know, it's like, oh, oh, he... He he might. It's weird. His cameo may not have aged poorly. It may have aged perfectly because he is this guy almost. Yep. Uh, but uh, but anyway, it's one of those that uh, you know. It's one of those that just is immediately off-putting as soon as you see him and you know the story of Army Hammer and uh, and it just, the movie didn't come out too long ago. So that's a good one. I uh, <clears throat> I convinced Jonathan to watch uh, the Faculty. Uh, last week or rewatch it he'd seen it before i think um and harry knowles is in that from ain't it cool news who during the me too era was sort of accused by 
several people of inappropriate behavior. Uh, and then uh, anything with R. Kelly, he's in snakes in a plane uh, as an uncredited passenger on the plane. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, there are plenty of names like him, Bill Cosby, anything Bill Cosby, but I don't think Bill Cosby did a bunch of cameos. He was usually the yeah. main player. Uh, I'm seeing uh, Trump in Home Alone 2. Yep. Nixon. Kevin Spacey and Baby uh, Driver, although it's a little bit more than a cameo. Same thing with, like, I mean, O.J. Simpson and the Naked Gun movies. Yep. Uh, same yep. thing. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Especially since O.J. Simpson did show up in Naked Gun 33 and a third, the year of all the O.J. Simpson stuff. So Right. Right. Okay. Um, all right, guys. Um, thank you so much, chat, for showing up once again to watch us uh, for an hour. So, so happy that you come here week after week. Uh, next week is no way out and I'll uh, mm-hmm. be looking forward to revisiting that. So, uh, I guess we'll, we'll see, see you guys. guys. See you. Bye. Bye. Be a part of the live show by being a member of the sin club at Patreon at patreon.com slash cinema chat with us on the cinema discord at discord.gg slash cinema or cinema twitter at cinema and email any comments or questions to recotopia at cinema that's r-e-c-o-t-o-p-i-a at cinema it's really weird to me when they do stuff like like uh all these people were going crazy and then Limp Biscuit came up there and then he started, uh, you know, egging on the crowd. And I'm like, are we really going to blame Limp Biscuit for the behavior of the people in the crowd now? I mean, isn't that what Limp Biscuit did at every single show they ever played? Yeah, exactly. Like to me, it's this, you have, you either, you either have, create an environment where that type of shit is quelled or you uh create an environment where all that stuff that happened isn't quelled and then you add on top of it the music that gets people into a frenzy and everything and it just leads to a whole bunch of stuff but like i'm just sitting there like you know like because uh i i i'm just sitting there just going man what do you want Limp Biscuit to do? Do you want them to go out there and play fucking cello or something? <laughs> I, I keep thinking about all these different festivals that these people want to throw. And this has been happening forever, I guess. Like even, you know, you can go back to Altamont if you want. Uh, all these different things where people just don't plan for a huge venue like this. A huge 100,000 plus concert goer thing where they decide eh we'll skimp on uh bathrooms and clean water and and uh and you know we'll we'll charge a whole bunch of money for uh food and water and things like that in a three-day festival geared towards people who don't have the money and you know all this stuff and it's like what do you think was going to happen what do you think was going to happen here i uh i got to go to the place where Bonnaroo happens. Mm-hmm. I've never been to Bonnaroo the festival. I would never. Right, but same. I was doing a gig for, uh, before we got into YouTube, I was doing a gig for a company that did work with Bonnaroo. Mm-hmm. So I got to go out there and walk around the grounds, and they got all kinds of stuff, not only to keep you distracted, but they have like a three-story fountain with 
dozens of spouts that you can just go stand under and just basically take a shower to mm-hmm. stay cold. And I mean, yeah, it is like, I think that's why Bonnaroo has been successful for as long as it has, is that they they didn't open the festival as a money grab. They kind of thought about what it needed to be. Um, and yeah, like I'm fascinated by the, the, the scammy ones now, like the, the fire fest yeah. and this thing that just came to Nashville, this taco fest, um, it was held at uh, Nissan stadium and it, the food was tacos created with ingredients from the concession stands at the stadium uh-huh. and super expensive beer. And you had to pay to even get in. Uh, and, <clears throat> Everybody was complaining about it, but on the Nashville subreddit, there was a dude like three weeks ahead of time that warned everybody and did all this research and says, this guy changes the name of his company and changes the name of this festival, and he goes city to city, and he just make bank selling people shitty tacos. Um, <laughs> He's the monorail guy. I was even reading that the Tomato Festival in East Nashville has been like corporatized, bought uh-huh. by some corporation so there's like almost no actual tomatoes anymore it's just all shit to sell Uh and like when it opened there were like dozens of tomato vendors with all these different varieties like the very first tomato festival Mm -hmm. somewhere in the last few years some somebody with money bought it and (laughs) i guess watered down the whole concept i don't i don't really understand i guess it works because people keep doing it but I don't understand this cutting the cost so much that we're going to make everybody miserable and we're going to profit off of that. And I can't like, it seems like to me it behooves you to give the great experience and potentially even lose money if you have to. Yeah. And then, then your next year, that's what you got to think about the next year you everybody comes out of that going that was great that was fantastic and you get more the next year and you know you you find ways to make money not cut costs yeah um and make money that doesn't involve charging four dollars for a water you know that type of thing i saw a post (laughs) i don't know if it's true it's just a post on reddit Mm -hmm. i saw a post of a guy who said he lived in um, Green Hills, that's, that's your first mistake, um, mm-hmm, <clears throat> in mm-hmm. an apartment complex that doesn't have any amenities. Um, and uh, they just got bought by a new company two months ago. Apparently it's a notorious company. And they got a notice that their their rent was going up 90%. Damn. From like 1000 to 1900 And he went to the office to ask the new management guy what's up with that and the guy was like oh well we're putting all all new stainless steel appliances in the works and so he asked to see an example and the dude walked him over to his own apartment which did not have stainless steel it had like a black glass top stove and the guy was saying stainless steel like it's just everything in this at least in this area seems to be getting bought by rich people with no interest mm-hmm. in any service whatsoever yeah and just squeezing out it's like what happened what's happening with this hbo max shit man this this discovery bought it but they have like a couple billion dollars in debt so the very first thing this guy started doing was finding he started axing all these hbo max shows before they reached a point where he would have to pay residuals mm-hmm. that's a dick move yeah and then he started cutting shows 
so that they wouldn't have to pay the licensing fee to air them anymore. And it's, it's all just like this write down in some kind of gobbledygook tax speak where all he's trying to do is increase the bottom line and it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Nothing matters. Yeah. He's going to cut whatever he has to cut to get, to get there. I can't imagine working on a show that had a season on HBO max and now it's gone forever. Mm -hmm. You can't even show that to try and get another job. Yeah. It doesn't exist. Right. And it's, uh, it's the same, it's the same thing I never understood about, uh, the theater chains, especially like, you know, when we'd work at uh, Regal and our, our theater had four concession stands and for a while there back in 1999, the, uh, they were running three of them at least. I don't know if all yeah. four got done. Maybe all four got done at one point, but then they started just, Oh, we'll just chop this one down and we'll chop this one down and we'll chop this one down. And eventually you just have one, and to them, they're looking at, they're looking at. Okay, we paid this many. We paid the employees this amount. We got this amount in concessions. We're good. But they don't think about what's hidden on that sheet of paper that they're looking at is the amount of money that they lost by people seeing a huge line at the one stand and not going to concessions at all. And, and then, and also the amount of money they lost by not having a stand open next to the three biggest theaters and two other big theaters, by the way, concession D and they don't, they don't think about that. All they look at is, oh, we spent this much on payroll and we didn't, we didn't get the return we were expecting. I bet if you look back at those 1999 figures of Hollywood 27, the concession and like you know, I bet I bet that amount would just floor you how much concession money they made back then. And, well, and they, they they don't shut want those that stands. No, they shut those stands down on a purely payroll decision, right? Yeah, and purely. What I always thought was the best thing about those concession stands is you're already down the hallway. You can come out of your theater and get a refill on popcorn and be back in in thirty seconds. And uh, it just—I feel like you're right. They lost a ton of money. Uh, by closing those, but they they only wanted to hit a certain goal on that per cap. That's all that mattered to them. Yeah, uh, and the, the oh, it drove me crazy. Yeah, and the per cap is such a bullshit number. I mean, it's <laughs> it. I mean, you, you can you, you're just you're just trying to get that proper ratio, and it's like eh, the ratio is not what you're looking for. It's bottom line dollars. And yep. I think a lot of times people at Regal who had never visited Hollywood 27 must have thought, oh, this extra stand, it must be like, you know, they're not thinking about in terms of an airport terminal, you know, right. which is what Hollywood 27 was. Um, and they're not thinking of in terms of the biggest theaters are in the very back of the theater. Like, think <laughs> about how many people just would not go that like I'm gonna miss ten minutes of my movie if I go all the way down yeah. there just to yeah. get a coke, whereas if it's just there, they're like, oh, I'll miss a minute or so, no big deal. Yeah. It is fifteen hundred people right there in those three hours. Fifteen hundred people who are all who are mostly not going to go down to that other concession stand.